All right, well, go ahead and take your Bible this morning. Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. This week at football camp, um, you know, you hear a lot of preaching there. And I, whenever I'm there, I always have a pen and paper ready because I always get all kinds of ideas for messages. When you hear that much preaching, I mean, there's three services a day there. And so a lot of good preaching. And But uh, this, this one in particular... Um, the pastor, he, re, uh, he preached the message from this passage we're going to look at, and it was a great message. But the Lord spoke to me about something in this passage that, honestly, when he, I remember when he preached this message, and you know, the Lord kind of gave me this thought. Right there, I, just, I kind of wrote down the outline for this, and I kind of got so focused on that. You know, I don't, I don't even remember where all he went with the message. I do remember what I heard was really good. But... Um, I've been really anxious to preach this one, and I hope that this will be a help to you. But what I want to talk about this morning, before we read this passage, is what I call, what I believe is the reward above all rewards. I mean, the blessing above all blessings. And we're going to look at a story here, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, because what I'm going to talk about, it's what I'm looking for. It's what I'm shooting for. It's what I'm working for. Okay, And it's not salvation. Because the truth is, you don't work for your salvation, do you? I mean, if you're saved today, you've already got that. Okay, it's, you know, Is it heaven? Because okay? the truth is, if you're saved, you've already got that too. That has nothing to do with your works. Is it the mansion? A lot of times we like to talk about all of these you know, rewards in heaven, these things that are in heaven that are already they're guaranteed to us as believers, if you're saved. But there is something that I want. Something that I desire more than anything else. Something that I want to see. A blessing that I want. And I hope that you I hope you want the same thing. I hope you'll shoot for the same thing. What is that? Well, you're going to have to wait until the end of the message to find out. But, Genesis chapter 32 and verse 24, we see kind of a really strange story here. Now, if you're... Just a little bit of history here. Jacob, he's um, heading to his own land. He's left his father-in-law. And he hears Esau, his brother, that he had cheated a couple times, is coming after him. And so he's scared right now. He's concerned. And you all know the story. Esau came and they got along. He was fine. Didn't really have anything to worry about. But here in this story, we see a kind of a strange story. In verse 24, it says, "...and Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him." until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So Jacob's wrestling with a man all night. And even after this man touches the hollow of Jacob's thigh, somewhere up probably by the hip, the Bible talks about how the sinew shrank. The commentaries I was reading saying it's like a tendon in there. And even then, he's still fighting with him. And then verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. The man saying this and Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. It's just kind of strange. You know, you just picture Jacob out there one night by himself and on this story all of a sudden, boom, he's wrestling with a man. They wrestle all night. He just does, he just touches them to where his bones out of joint. And he just keeps on wrestling. It's like, what's this wrestling match all about? What's he fighting for? He wants a blessing from him. And he's not giving up. He's not going to let go. 
And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the sinew that shrank. And so after this long wrestling match, it turns out this wrestling match that he had was with God. And it says in the Bible that he prevailed. Okay, and so, you know, and this brings up some questions, alright, because this is kind of a strange story. But first of all, why would God wrestle with Jacob all night? You know, how was Jacob even able to put up a fight against God? And why would a God who wants to bless his people make him fight so hard for the blessing? And then, why would God leave Jacob crippled from the fight when all he wanted was a blessing. We see he halted upon his thigh. I mean, Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life because of this wrestling match because he wanted the blessing. A wrestling match that he won. A blessing that he did end up getting. And then boom, story's over. And you know, all these things in the Old Testament, they're there to teach us some, they're there to teach us some lessons. And you know, I want to compare this to us sometimes because why does it seem like sometimes we have to fight so hard and for so long to see God bless us? I mean, isn't that why we do a lot of the things we do? Isn't that why we work as hard as we do as believers? We're just we're wanting to see God bless. We want to see God do something. You know, but why does God's people sometimes seem to have to suffer so much for really nothing more than just being obedient to God? Have you ever felt that way before? Like, man, I'm, I'm working so hard. I'm doing so much. And it just doesn't seem to be working. I don't seem to be getting anywhere. I seem to be suffering as a result of this. And why do we do these things that we're supposed to do? There is so much pressure on us today from the world and even from supposed Christians out there to you know, get away from the Word of God, to go and just do what everybody else is doing. But you know what? There's people out there that are just stubborn and they just keep on sticking to the Scriptures even though it doesn't seem to be working sometimes. I don't know if you've noticed this, but you know, independent fundamental Baptists like us, we're not usually the biggest church in town, are we? And I don't know if you've noticed this too, but independent fundamental Baptist preachers, okay, I, I tend to keep a close eye on them, seeing that I am one and I want to learn from them, but you know what? They don't all have the easiest life in the world. Most of the ones I know aren't real wealthy. You know, a lot of the ones that I know have been through a lot of hard times, a lot of hard trials. A lot of times they, you know, just the stress of the ministry on them, it takes a toll on their body and sometimes even their mind. My dad today, he's uh, going to be going this afternoon to a, a church that his uncle used to pastor. And my dad, I mean, his his uncle it was just one of the most godly men you ever knew. I mean, just served God faithfully, stayed strong, and you know how he you know how he died? What ended up happening to him? He ended up getting Alzheimer's. I don't know if it was related to being a pastor or whatever, but died a long, horrible death 
with Alzheimer's. After all those years of serving God, that's what happened. And they're doing a thing there to honor Him this morning, but boy, that's not real exciting. Um, the end, that's not really an end that I would want. I, my, at my dad's church this morning and this week they're having a revival meeting. They're celebrating 27 years. It was 27 years ago that dad started that church. And you know what? Over those 27 years, I can remember many times seeing my dad just completely broken hearted. Seeing him just sad and devastated over just things he faced. You know, some of the battles that he fought and just, I've seen people that, you know, he loved and cared for and only did good things for turn around and stab him in the back. And seeing it break his heart, seeing it you know affect him even physically, to where I mean just just hurting. I'll, I'll never. I mean, some, there's some bad memories there. Sometimes looking back, and you know, and I as I've grown up and over the years I've looked at that and and yes, you know, why do these guys put up with this stuff? Why do they do that? Why don't they just leave the ministry and? Let everything fall apart and just go do their own thing and take care of themselves. And the truth is, there is a reason that they keep on going and they keep on doing what they do. And it's because I believe they're looking for the same thing that I'm looking for. There's something that they're wanting to see. And I think every pastor wants someday to, you know, his church to grow and be big. And, you know, I want to see this place filled up. I want to see us outgrow this place. And I believe, I believe that we will. Okay? I believe that we will. I believe we are going. To, I believe we're going to see great things. But you know, we might not. I believe we're going to. I believe it's coming. I believe it's coming close. But it might not. But I do know that these blessings that a lot of times we're looking for, okay, like the like the big church, you know, like the full house, those really are those are earthly blessings that we're talking about. And while I want to see those things, while I'm looking forward to the day just where I'm full-time and this is my only job, while I'm looking forward to that day and that's going to be an exciting day for me, I'm looking for something else that beats that quite a bit. There's something else that I want to see, and I might not see some of, those, some of these earthly things. There's all kind, you know, I'm just going to admit it, there's a lot of stuff that I want. One of my jobs that I do, doing estimates, go, I, I go into some... Beautiful houses. I go into the suburbs a lot, and I, I drive through some of those neighborhoods there, and I go into some of these people's houses, and I look at the contents of their basement. And the contents of their basement are worth more than everything that I have. I mean, just, I was in a guy's basement one time, and he just had a ton of guitars. Why does he need that many guitars? You can only play one at a time. And I'm looking, I'm looking at those guitars, and I'm like, I mean, nice ones, real nice ones, and I, I, you know, I like going out kayaking on the river. And I was at one guy's house the other day, and he had this super nice. They call it, he calls it the Cadillac of kayaks. It's one that you can you know paddle with your feet. You don't even have to use an oar if you don't want to. And show me all these cool bells and whistles and things on it, stuff I could do. And I'm like, man, that's really neat. You know, how much do one of those run? Two thousand dollars. <laughs> That's not happening. I don't like them that much. But you know what? I'm going to admit, I look at those things sometimes, and man, I wouldn't mind having that. We noticed a house got sold that's by that lake there on Route 30, and someone was like, man, we should have bought that. But you know why we didn't? I can't afford it. But you know, I wouldn't mind having a house on a lake. I wouldn't mind having a speedboat and some jet skis, and there's a lot of things that I would like to have. But you know what? 
whenever I think of a plan on how I could get some of those things, many times, I'm not saying everybody that has those isn't going to get what I'm looking for, but many times what I would need to do for me to obtain some of those things, I know it would take me away from what I'm really hoping for. The one thing I really want. The blessing that I'm really, really fighting for. And why does God make us fight so hard for a blessing? Doesn't, isn't it clear all over the Bible that God wants to bless us? But I believe one of the reasons that God makes us fight so hard sometimes, God's wanting to see if we really want it. Okay? You know, there's a lot of things that we say we want, but the truth is, we don't really want it that much. Doesn't it say in James chapter 4 and verse 3, or verse 2, you have not because you ask not? There's a lot of things that we don't really ask for because we don't really want it that much. We all say, I'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, but we didn't ask, we don't ask for it because it's not that big of a deal. Well, yeah, I'd like it. Yeah, if you'll give it to me, I'll take it. You know, I, while I mentioned some of those things I would like, okay, if you gave me a $2,000 kayak, I'd take it. But you know what? I mean, I'm sure if I really, really wanted to, I could find a way to get one. You know? called financing. You know, but I, uh, uh, I, I could probably do it if I really worked hard enough at it, if it was a life goal of mine. But you know what? It's Yeah, I, want, I don't want it that bad. It's not a priority in my life. And so, you know, if I get it, great. If I don't, oh well. It's not a priority. In America, we're really good at getting the things that we want. I mean, even people that are supposedly starving somehow get lottery tickets. They somehow get their beer. They somehow get their drugs. Why? Because that's what they really want. Okay, And we get, usually get what we really want. And by, God says, I want you, I, I want to see if you really want it. He made Jacob wrestle all night. You know, some of us were just so passive with things. You know, Lord, will you please bless me? Lord, fill me with your spirit so I can be used by you. Oh, well, nothing happened. And we just, we give up. We walk, we, we walk away from it. But Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, why would we faint? Because we're tired. Because we're weary. We're wore out. But if the Bible says don't faint, you will reap if ye faint not. And too many times we faint. We give up. But once again, this is a reminder that that blessing is something that we are going to have to fight for. Not just the big one that I'm talking about, but even some of the blessings here on this earth, we are going to have to fight for them. We are going to have to work hard for them. A lot of times we say we want things, but our lifestyle doesn't back it up. And God's trying to reveal to us what it is that we really want. Psalm chapter 37, verse 4 says, "...delight yourself in the Lord, thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart." Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. Saying here, God's going to give you the desires of your heart if you delight yourself in Him. He will give you those desires. And we and God wants to reveal to us what, the, what, are, what is it we're desiring? What is it that we are really looking for? And a lot of times we say we're looking for those good things, 
But we're not. We're not committing our way in the Lord. We're not trusting Him. We're not waiting patiently for Him. Wait patiently. If it came fast, if the blessings came right away, why would God say we need to wait patiently? Because sometimes it takes a long time. A very long time. You have to wait and you have to be patient and you have to learn patience. And God teaches us things that builds our patience along the way because some of the greatest blessings take some of the most patience. And many times we get all distracted. We see the prosperity of the wicked. We see those who are compromising. They seem like they're doing better than we are. And God said, don't fret yourself in any wise do evil. They're going to get what's coming to them. But you, if you wait patiently, those who wait, they're, those are the ones that are going to inherit the earth. But how many times have you been there where you're looking around it's like, alright, I've been waiting. Everyone else seems to be succeeding. And here I am, I'm just still waiting patiently. And I don't seem to be getting anywhere. Okay? It's, we've all probably been there before. And a lot of times I'm afraid what we really want are earthly blessings instead of the heavenly blessings. We say we want the heavenly blessings, but what is it that we're always going after? It's usually those earthly blessings. See, God's trying to teach us some things that's going to lead us to greater blessings. God knows what this world has to offer, and God knows what He can give us on this world. There are some great blessings that we could receive while here on earth. And I'm not saying you're not going to get those. You might, you might not. But God knows that there is something out there that is just going to blow away anything that you can get here on this earth. And so God tries to teach us some things so He can get us in a position where we can receive something that's so much better. But earthly blessings, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, Paul said, "...but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency." of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul, he lost everything that this earth had to offer serving God. But he had something that he was looking for. He had something that he was going for. He said in verse 10, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after that if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded... God shall reveal this unto you. God's trying to show us what's really in our heart, what we really want. And we see Paul here, he says all those other things, okay, all that the world has to offer, I've lost it all, and I count it but dumb. I don't miss it. I'm not looking forward to it. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Paul often referred to this life as a race. And I want you to keep that in your mind because we are running in a race right now. And what happens when you run in a race? You get tired, don't you? Well, you get real tired sometimes. Sometimes you hurt. You, sometimes you fall down. You, you, many times you want to give up. You just you want to quit. And those things are going to happen in this life. And I guarantee you there was many times when Paul felt like quitting. But one thing he did, he forgot about what was behind him. He got his, and he got his focus on something. A mark. 
for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I think Paul was looking for the same thing that I'm going to talk about this morning that's out there waiting. Paul knew he had heaven. Paul knew he had the mansions of heaven. Paul knew he had certain crowns and things that were mentioned that that, uh, are promised to the believers for the rewards and things. But there was something very specific that Paul wanted that kept his focus, that he kept his focus on, and it's the main reason that he never quit. It's the main reason he never gave up. There's those earthly blessings, but those are nothing, okay, compared to the heavenly blessings. And God, I hope God gives us some of those earthly blessings. I even think things like you know a full house every time the doors are open. That's an earthly blessing. You know, unfortunately, there are some big shots out there. There's some big shot guys that like to do a lot of writing online and blogging and tweeting. and Some of these guys, I'm not going to name some of them, but they like to get on preachers who have smaller churches and act like we make excuses for why we're not big. And like, you know, if you're doing what God wants, God's going to bless. It's going to be big. You'll be a big shot like me one of these days. And, you know, everybody will look to you as this, you know, great authority on everything because you're big. Let me tell you something. I don't think there's anything wrong with being big. But let me tell you, that's, that's an earthly blessing. I know some preachers. These guys spend more than half their time just traveling around preaching other places. And they pastor a church at the same time. Like, how do you pastor a church when you're gone all the time? I mean, they fly all over the world to go preach at these big things. They're big shots. And the preachers, they just they worship these guys and they, they praise them all the time. Some of these guys, they're so big, okay? I'm talking about independent Baptists. These guys are so big that all the little preachers send these guys gifts so they will, that guy will tweet about them and say, hey, look what brother so and so gave me. And they get an honorable mention from Dr. Pompous out there. And I'm telling, and boy, that'd be nice if I was such a big shot. People are sending me gifts just so I will mention their name in a tweet? I take it. you know, Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe that's a problem. But these guys will do that. Like, the end result of a Spirit-filled life is earthly blessings. Some of these guys, too, they, will, they brag about their expensive clothes that they wear and show off all their nice cars and are always you know, just talking about these material blessings. And then they look at all the little people that maybe don't have all those material blessings and they act like you know, the reason you don't have these is because you must not have enough faith. You're doing something wrong. And that's just not true. And the truth is, I think I'm afraid some of these men are going to be missing what I'm talking about today. What I'm looking for more than anything. You see, God wants to see... One of the reasons God makes us fight so hard for some of these blessings, He wants to see if we really believe Him. See, our number one priority as a believer, as a human being, is to glorify God. The Bible says that God, in Revelation, that Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We were created for God's pleasure. Okay? So our number one priority is to glorify God. Our priority every day of our life, every moment of our life, should be to please God. Is God pleased with what I'm doing? Is God pleased with Liberty Baptist Church? And the greatest result for anything that we could ever do is please God. 
There's a lot of things that I could do that would please people and would help us get bigger results here on this earth. It would help get bigger blessings. There are things that I could do. You know, if I would go out there and please some millionaires like some of these guys have, well, we could have the kind of offerings where maybe I could go buy that house on the lake and have all those toys. But there's a great there's listen, our goal is to please God, not to please man. And the way we please God is through our faith. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. So if our number one priority is to bring God pleasure, and the way we bring God pleasure is by having faith and believing Him, then what should our mindset be? What should our goal be? Because the truth is, there is a greater blessing out there that's greater than any material blessing. There's something that's greater, I believe, something that I'm looking forward to more than all the treasures and all the mansions in heaven, those things are guaranteed, folks. Okay, Those are already guaranteed. I know I've got a mansion waiting for me in heaven. I know I'm going to go to heaven someday. But there's one thing that I don't know if I, for sure if I'm going to get it. There's one thing that I, I, I want to make sure I get it. It's the most important thing. And So what should our mindset be? Well, first, I will obey God's Word all alone. See, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Okay. Well, what are we supposed to have faith in? Is it in the vision that God gave you this morning? Is it in the dream that you had in the night? Or is it in His Word that He gave to us? Our faith is to be in His Word and we need to be willing to stand there and obey it all alone. You know, it doesn't take much faith to do what everyone else is doing. Uh, Exodus 23.2 so thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. You know, we're on, as, as a pastor and a young preacher especially, there's constant pressure and pull that people try to give to get you to go with the flow and to do what everybody else is doing. Okay, this old time, old fashioned style church that we do, not popular today. The old hymns, the old book, not real popular today. But the truth is, I believe God. I believe this book. And the truth is, if I will believe God and not people, well, that takes faith. If I'm willing to believe a book, God's book, and not people, we've got all these people out there, all these big shots that are very influential, that are, I mean, leading preachers all over the place. I mean, some of these big names, whatever they say, that is gospel for a lot of the little people, like myself. But we're supposed to follow God's Word, aren't we? And if I see something that God's Word clearly says and everyone else in the world is saying something different, who am I supposed to listen to? I'm supposed to listen to the Word of God. The Bible says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. And that needs to be our mindset. I will obey God's Word and I will do it all by myself. I will do it all alone. I will obey God's Word even when it hurts. See, if obeying the Bible always felt good, everyone would do it. If obeying the Bible always felt good, the 60s would have been the greatest revival that ever happened in America. But that was that hippie generation. They just did whatever felt good. Obeying the Bible doesn't always feel good. Um, it, we need to decide, I will obey God's Word even when it doesn't work. Because let's just admit it. Aren't a lot of the things we do, we're hoping for some earthly results? 
Okay, when we give our tithes and offerings, aren't we wanting blessings from God? But does it happen every time? Do you get a check, an extra check in the mail you weren't expecting every time? Do you still get flat tires? Do you still have cars break down? Absolutely you do. Sometimes, let's just admit it, it doesn't seem to be working. When preaching the Gospel, sometimes it scares people off. It doesn't help you get the bigger crowds. Sometimes it makes you unpopular. Sometimes it can split a church. Preaching the truth. It'll do that. It doesn't always work as far as gaining the material blessings. But if God's, if obeying God's Word always resulted in a material blessing every time, it wouldn't take much faith. And everyone would be doing it again, wouldn't they? Remember Job? The Bible says in Job 1.5, and it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered a burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Job's children were all together and Job went and he made a sacrifice to God just in case any of his children may have sinned or cursed God in their hearts. Job did it continually. Did that work? Did that protect Job's children? No, it didn't. They all died. Every one of them. His prayer didn't work. Okay, And we need to say, I will obey God's Word even if it costs me everything. Does anybody know why Job got attacked? Does anybody know why all of Job's children died? Why he lost all of his possessions? Why he lost his health? You know why? It says in Job um, 1.8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? He had a target on him because he was doing everything right. And did it work as far as gaining the material blessings then? He lost it all. He lost everything. And But yet, Job, I love what he says. And this should be our mindset. I will obey God even if it kills me. Even if it kills me, many have died and many will die because they're obedient to God. And in Job 13.15, Job said, though He slay me, Yet will I trust in Him. Let's just be honest, folks. We can't see God, can we? We can't see what's going on in heaven. We can't see what's happening around us. We can't see what's on this earth. And sometimes, things aren't in our favor. According to what we see on this earth, it's not working. But we've got to decide, you know what? Even if it kills me, I'm going to obey the Bible. Even if it doesn't work, even if doing what God says to do clears this church out and nobody wants to come, I'm going to keep on preaching the truth. Even if I become the most unpopular guy in the world because of some of the stands I take on doctrine, I am going to stick to it because I believe God's Word. I believe God. And that is what pleases God more than anything is just us believing Him. And if we do it when things are good, if we're doing it because it's popular, it's a new thing to do, Everybody's doing it. That doesn't take any faith. We're not, really, we're not really believing. I promise. If everybody that came to this church, if you went and put $100 in the offering plate and you left here, the next day everybody got a $1,000 check in the mail and it was just happening every time, well, word's going to get out and everybody's going to come put $100 in the offering plate here. But now where's the faith? The truth is, you show the faith when you do it and nothing happens. When you don't see any results. When maybe even bad things happen, and we see in the Bible that our life, it's compared to a race in the Bible. And in the race of life, sometimes we get weary and tired. Sometimes we have people who cheer us on. Sometimes we have people yelling at us from the sidelines trying to discourage us. 
Sometimes we find ourselves tired and hurting. Sometimes you find yourself completely alone. But one day when we stand before the Savior, there's something that I'm hoping for more than anything else in this world. There is something that's, that's there, that's attainable, that I want. See, and I don't claim to know how everything is going to go down after we die. But I do know from the Scriptures, we're not going to go into all of them, that the moment we die, we will find ourselves in the presence of the Lord before the throne. That's the first place we show up in heaven. It's not at the pearly gates. We don't meet St. Peter first. We appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's clear from the Scriptures. And I don't know what all is going to happen at that time. But you know how what I saw when I read that story about Jacob and the way he fought... and. And I asked, you know, God, why do you do that? I thought about, you know, my own kids many times after a sporting event, okay? And remember, we've been kind of comparing things to a race. And after a sporting event, many times your kids, they'll come up to you, and if they did good, they're like, you know, Dad, did you see what I did in that game? You know, in the football. And, you know, hey, did you see when I tackled that kid? Football game, did you see when I sacked the quarterback? Dad, you know, did you see when I you know, ran that ball for touchdown or basketball? Dad, did you see when I made that three-point shot? Dad, did you see all those things I did? Why, did? why do they ask that? There's something that they're hoping to get from their father, whoever they're talking about. You know what they're hoping? Why, you know why they do that? They're looking for the one thing that I want. The one thing it's possible I won't get. See, one day we're going to stand before God. I said, I don't know how it's all going to go down. But if I just picture this, I don't know what's going to happen. Man, I don't know. I don't know how things are going to end. I don't know if I'm ever going to get the material blessings that this world has to offer. But you know, I've seen how it does end for some preachers. And I might end this life completely exhausted, completely wore out. My body just falling apart. I know a lot of preachers. I mean, they're a lot, they're they're in bad shape physically. And a lot of it has to do with the ministry. It's hurt them physically. They're tired. And one of these days, man, I might get into heaven and I get there crawling. I just, I don't know. I picture myself maybe before the throne on my knees, just, I barely, I barely made it. Lord, that it was hard on this earth. But I'm standing there before God and it's, Lord, did you see what happened back there on earth? Lord, did you see when I was the only one that took a stand? Lord, did you did you see that? Lord, it was hard. I, I was all by myself. I didn't. I couldn't see you. I know you said you were you know you were in heaven watching over me. I know I I knew you were here cheering for me. Lord, did you see it? Lord, did you see when I put that money in the offering, even when I couldn't afford it? Lord, I was going through a tough time, God, and I put it in. I couldn't afford it. Lord, did you see when I lost a child? Lord, did you see when I lost my spouse and I kept on serving you? Lord, I didn't quit. Lord, I, I hated when you took them from me. But God, I kept on going. Some of you in here, you've lost people that you love. And it's hard. Were you watching, Lord? God, did you see it? Lord, did you see when I prayed for your healing? But Lord, you didn't heal me. But I kept trusting you till I died. Lord, did you see that? I asked you, I asked you if you'd heal me. The doctor said there was no way I could be healed. They said there's nothing that could be done. But Lord, I believed in you. I trusted in you. I kept on, and even 
until I died, I kept thinking he can do something, he can heal me. He didn't do it, but I never quit. I never gave up. Lord, did you see when I had cancer and I asked for your healing and it didn't come? I had to face the treatments of chemo and radiation and Lord, it was hard. But I kept loving you. I didn't quit. Lord, you see all those years I witnessed and I didn't see a lot of results, but I kept on doing it. Because you commanded in your word, Lord. There's there Lord, did you see? When I went and I knocked for doors for several hours and nobody came to church that Sunday. Lord, though, another preacher in town told me that that doesn't work. That doesn't work anymore. That's something you used to do. But I knew you said to do it in your word, and I just kept doing it. I didn't see anything, but Lord, I kept, I believed you. You know, Lord, did, were you watching? Did you see what the ministry did to my health? Lord, did you see the horrible way I died? But I did it the very best I could until finally I died. Now I. I find myself here, Lord, on my knees before Your throne. Lord, and when we get there, Lord, I'm ashamed. I almost quit several times. I almost gave up. I almost just went ahead and compromised and went along with everybody else because, Lord, it was hard. I wanted to give up, but Lord, I never even saw any real proof that You were real and that Your Word was true until this moment. All I ever had, Lord, all You gave me on this earth was faith in a book that everyone told me it was just man's words. Lord, preachers even told me that it was full of errors. But I just kept believing it. They told me it was outdated. People started even telling me I was bigoted and I was intolerant and I was evil and that it was a book of hate. But something inside of me told me it was the truth. Something inside me said that this is what I need to trust. And I trusted it with what seems like no results until now. Lord, did you see that? Did you see what I did? And after all that, I can, just, I can almost picture it. And this is the thing I'm looking for. After all that, after all the things I talk about, I ask God, did you see? Did you see? Did you see? And nothing really happened. I didn't get any of the material blessings that the Bible talks about and the people want all the time. But if I can get this, if after all that I just picture Jesus Christ looking, remember what pleases Him more than anything when we believe Him. And if we can believe Him when it looks like it's not working, when everyone's saying opposite, when we're not getting any earthly results, if when after that conversation, I just want to, as I look in His face, I want to see that look of approval and just hear him say, Well done. You believed when nobody else did. You were obedient when nobody else was being obedient. You just trusted a book that everyone wanted to trash. That was what I was looking for from some of my people. That was what I wanted to see more than anything. Someone who would believe me, Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. That's what I want. Folks, who cares about all the things that this world has to offer if we stand there before God and He has a look of disapproval and if He can't say, well done. The Bible does say in His Word that there are those who are going to be ashamed at His coming. And that should be our desire. And you might think it's too late. I've, I've 
blown too much in my life. It's too late for me to do anything. No, because we see in the Bible, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And if you will finish your course, if you will finish your race, and you will be faithful even unto death, you can stand there before God and you can hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Say, man, I'm tired. I'm weary. This world, it's wearing me down. I just can't stand it much longer. I don't know how much longer I can go on. Hey, just keep on going. Because one of these days, God's going to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Hey, our rest is coming. You know, I, I love vacations. I'm all for taking vacations. Sometimes like, you know, I wish I could afford to just go on vacation for the rest of my life. <laughs> but but it, it's, not, it's, not looking, it's not looking real good. And you get tired and you get weary. and You just get tired of fighting the battles. You get tired of taking a stand. You get tired of being all alone. But listen, there's something out there we're trying to get. There's something that I want to see. I want to hear the Lord say, well done. I mean, just, um, just imagine. Just imagine you know, all your life. You're hearing complete opposite from your friends, your family, from even other Christians telling you don't follow don't follow that book. It's outdated. It's full of errors, but you do. You just believe a book. You believe a book because you believe it's God's book. You believe it's what it says and you don't even really see anything, but man, when you get there in heaven and he well done. That's what that child's looking for. Dad, did you see? I saw it. you did good. That's all that's what he wants. That's one of the biggest rewards that they can get. The well done is just something in us. You know, we want to please our fathers, and there ought to be something inside of us that says, I want to please my Heavenly Father more than anything. I want that. I know I've got salvation. I know I've got heaven. I know I've got the mansions in heaven. But you know what? All the saved are getting that. But not everyone is going to get a well done, and that's what I want more than anything. I want that well done from the one who created this universe. From the one who died on the cross for my sins. I want a well done. I remember one of the first times I preached in front of Brother Jack Parch when he was always just kind of a hero of mine. As a little kid, man, I just looked at him. He was just a giant of the faith to me. He was just he was he was the biggest of the big shots to me. You know, and to a lot of the world didn't know who he was, but to me, he he was the big shot. I remember the first time I preached in front of him, and man, he just I don't know if he was just lying, trying to make me feel good, but man, he just said all kinds of great stuff to me. And you know, it made me feel good. I'm like, it, it encouraged me. But boy, that was just that was just from another sinner. Imagine getting a well done from the Savior. He's not going to be making it up. He's going to be telling you the truth, and we could get that. And please make that the desire of your heart. To get that well done. I hope you get some of the earthly rewards. I hope as a church we get some of the earthly rewards. We're working for them. And I believe we're going to get them. But what if we don't? I'm going to keep on believing. What if, what if you're the only one? You know, I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm supposed to do. Because you know what? I'm not going to stand before you on Judgment Day. I'm not going to stand before other preachers on Judgment Day. I'm standing before Jesus Christ. And He's the one I want the well done from. On this earth, you're going to get some discouragement. But it'll be worth it if on that day, you get a well done from the Savior. So let's all stand together right now.